This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Democratic Party leaders are scrambling to remain relevant ahead of the November midterm elections after major pieces of legislation have stalled in the Senate. Both the Build Back Better proposal and a major voting rights overhaul have suffered from political gridlock that two Democrats in particular are helping to fuel, Senators Kristen Sinema of Arizona and Joe Manchin of West Virginia in particular, appear determined to help Republicans and conservatives stymie Democratic-led progress. My guest, Reverend Paul Dunn from First Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia, has recently withdrawn his support of Senator Manchin and now joins me to explain why. Welcome to the program, Reverend Dunn. Thank you so very much. So first, tell me why you supported Joe Manchin in the first place. I mean, of course, the Senate has a very, very uh, slim Democratic majority, and Joe Manchin is one of the 50 Democrats. Um, You know, is he someone that, at least in the past, had expressed values that you supported? Oh, most definitely, and knowing him personally, and uh, I've been in several meetings with him uh, the Manchin family, as you know, has uh, been influential in politics here in West Virginia. And so uh, I knew his stance. I knew uh, uh, some of the things that he co-authored. And, and uh, so I, I just felt like he was a person who represented all West Virginians, not just a portion. This state is very diverse. And so we need someone in Washington who represents all of West Virginia, the haves and the have-nots. And so tell me about what it is about some of the positions he's taken, particularly in the past year, in the first year of the Biden presidency, that have troubled you. Well, I mean, he co-authored, he was uh, uh, supportive of voting rights legislation, which I am very adamant about. We have so many states right now that are trying to limit uh, the ability of persons to go to the poll and exercise their right uh, to vote. And I felt like with the uh, bills that he co-sponsored about that, that West Virginians, especially those who uh, are black and brown, uh, that those voting rights would be protected uh, by him and that he would fight for legislation that would ensure that uh, people could vote and have access to the ballot box and to the polls as much as necessary. And so I was very, uh, I was very intrigued by uh, his support and I thought that he would be one that would protect those rights. So what happened then? Why do you think that he is in particular opposing changing of Senate filibuster rules, which of course would help Democrats to pass voting rights? He continues to make this claim that it's important to bring Republicans you know, to a consensus that, that it's possible to reach across the aisle. And of course, Republicans have made it very clear they're not interested in that. Exactly. And my concern is that, you know, so many times politicians, they come to our churches. Uh, I'm one that I limit uh, access to politicians coming to the church and speaking to the congregation because of what the church stands for. Uh, We don't necessarily endorse a candidate, but we like to know their position. And I was concerned that, um, you know, once people get to Washington, D.C. and money that's behind it and the corruption that's behind it and a lot of times the uh, lobbyists uh, that, that's behind it, you go in uh, saying that you're going to go in fighting for the people that you represent. And then you get there and uh, all that you promised 
pre-getting elected gets changed and uh, all of a sudden your viewpoints change. You start, uh, I say, bowing down to the corporate money, uh, the dark money, and some of the influences that happen in Washington, D.C. And I just feel like that's what happened to him. Uh, uh, the Republicans and uh, others have gotten to him. And in my viewpoint, and this is just Pastor Paul A. Dunn's viewpoint, I just believe that he has aspirations for something else. And it's not the uh, betterment of West Virginia. And it's not just voting rights. I mentioned the Build Back Better bill. Um, Democrats are scrambling to try to revive the child tax credit that really helped working families as pastor. That was part of um, the American Rescue Plan. It expired. And now we see instead of just trying to push that forward to revive it, you have Senator Joe Manchin saying that it's important to engage in what he calls means testing. What do you make of what he has said around things like the child tax credit? Yeah, I mean, for him to say that it's it and to have constituents in your own state that would benefit uh, so tremendously from the passing of the Build Back Better and uh, making sure this filibuster is ended so that it could be passed, it's, it's, a, it's abhorrent. I mean, you have people here in this state that literally uh, need things that the Build Back Better would promise and give. Uh, I live on in South Hills here in West Virginia, which has a median income of about $75,000, $78,000. But I pastor a church on the East End, which has a median income of about $14,000. So you literally have a tale of two cities. And West Virginians make up uh, the, the poverty level here is uh, exorbitant. Uh, we need someone who is trying to get resources back to the state of West Virginia, to the, to the citizens of West Virginia who so desperately need it. And I don't understand how you can say that you represent all of West Virginia and you see these people who ne desperately need what the Build Back Better promises and gives and you deny that you, your vote, your stance. I, I feel like it's pontificating of to someone for someone else to not sit here and say I I represent a state where so many of the people are at below poverty level. I mean, it, th that's, that's just abhorrent to even think that we would have a senator up there in Washington D.C. Uh, stifling and and stalling getting resources, desperately needed resources here to West Virginia, and so many West Virginians need it. He has also engaged in, or rather I should say, uh, made use of the kind of language that Republicans often use, in particular calling government aid entitlements, entitlement programs. <laughs> um, and I know that you've sort of specifically called that out. Tell me what you make of what Joe Manchin has said of creating what he says is an entitlement mentality. Well, when, when anyone uses the entitlement mentality phrase, always question who's doing the entitled. You know, uh, it's, it's one thing when the haves uh, sit up uh, in luxury and with provisions that uh, others below them need, and they say giving something to them would give them an entitlement mentality. No, it does not. It gives them a hand up, a hand up so that they can participate in the democratic process, a hand up so that they can become self-sufficient themselves. Uh, those who have made it, uh, have money, 
resources, uh, the 1%. Uh, that is not what West Virginia is about. We are a state that over half of its citizens are living uh, below poverty. So uh, helping people with a hand up is not giving them an entitlement mentality. It's helping them uh, be able to engage in what the American dream is, that if you work hard, you have a little assistance, that you can make it. He said specifically, I cannot accept our economy or basically our society moving toward an entitlement mentality. And of course, it seems interesting that he didn't bring up the fact that our government, through using our tax dollars, routinely gives massive subsidies to corporations, oil corporations, agricultural corporations, weapons manufacturers. But somehow those aren't seen as entitlements. Do you see that as hypocritical? <laughs> it's very hypocritical. I mean, we find money in this country to do whatever we want to do. If we want to go to space, if we want to develop a space force, our war economy has always uh, been able to find money to expand it and to keep it going. But yet and still, uh, the roads are crumbling, our bridges are crumbling, uh, people who need uh, assistance. We can never find money for those individuals or those programs. But yet and still, the stuff that uh, really doesn't doesn't matter and i'm not saying that you know the, the war economy we, we have to have a good defense but the money that is spent for that is always found the money that is needed for that is always found but when we're looking for three trillion dollars over a period of 10 years for build back better all of a sudden you know we can't find that money we can't find we can't figure out how to find resources to make our country stronger and better when it comes to protecting our citizens and making sure there's a safety net for those who fall you know short of the american dream he's also and i want to uh, pick up on what i mentioned earlier this idea of means testing for the child tax credit and of course uh, other forms of government uh, aid as well what does that mean for you when you hear a democratic senator like joe manchin say that he wants means testing um for people to receive aid i suppose you know that that means that they need to go through even more paperwork than they already have to, to to prove that they really need the support? Uh, is, is there means testing to give money to uh, the war economy? Is there means testing to give money to uh, other programs that, that uh, they so easily find money for? No. Uh, what's happening with means testing is that it is heartless and it is a moral crime against people who are in poverty. That's how I feel. He's also raised concerns around inflation, which uh, conservatives certainly do, but even some Democrats have done. Uh, he told the Wall Street Journal uh, a few weeks ago, some in Congress have a strange belief there's an infinite supply of money to deal with any current or future crisis, and that spending trillions upon trillions will have no negative consequence for the future. I disagree. Again, it seems as though he doesn't, these, these, Arguments only come up usually from conservatives and Republicans when it comes time to spending money on people directly, but not when it comes time to give money to go. Well, under the four under the four years of Trump, I mean, did we have uh, such a concern about the trillions of dollars that were added to the national deficit programs that were started that we don't we still don't know exactly how they were supposed to be paid for. I, I looked at the Build Back Better and all the economists that have looked at it show how it's going to be paid for. The information is there. There's been economists that have fact-checked and looked at it. You know, so it's really an issue of where's your heart? 
is really an issue of are you really there for the people who really need it, those who sent you there to represent them, not just the haves, but the have-nots also voted and sent you to Washington, D.C. So we need, we need mansion, we need capital, we need them to deliver now to the state. Tell me about how you have expressed your change of heart, your, your withdrawal of support for Joe Manchin. Um, you recently spoke uh, as part of a, I believe it was on the anniversary of the 15th Amendment, about why you changed your mind. Well, I mean, I really want people to understand that I was not the only one who uh, made commercials supporting Mansion, if you really look at the commercial, it was around voting rights. And uh, when, when the commercial was made, we were under the impression, because it was another minister who made the commercial with me, uh, it did not air, but we were under the impression that once the voting rights bill was passed, that that's when the commercials were going to air. In support of that, that he delivered on a promise that, uh, on a bill that he co-sponsored. So we were under the impression that it was going to be uh, uh, released upon him signing and showing his support for for that. Uh, it did not. It aired quicker, it aired sooner, and it gave the impression that African-American ministers here in the state, which I am one, I'm a pastor of the downtown church, uh, First Baptist Church right in the center of downtown. So it carried weight, but there was a slant to it. That was not how it was supposed to be released. We knew that this legislation was important and I released it based on and did the commercial based on we were under the impression that that promise was going to be made that the bill would be signed and West, our West Virginia senator would uh, would uh, uh, support it. And then uh, when the commercials were released, it made me look like uh, I didn't care about the members of my church. As I stated in one of my speeches, you know, you call them voters. I call them members. You know, I call them family members. I call them congregates. And so when I had to look into the eyes of members of my church who desperately need assistance, who des desperately need for polls to be open where they can go uh, at levels of convenience, uh, it was a slap in the face to, to say uh, that I, did, I supported someone who did not protect the things that I, that I preached about from my pulpit in this sanctuary to my members at, all the time. So you have now made clear where you stand. Has Joe Manchin's office responded to you in any way? Have you heard anything from him? Absolutely not. And, and I hope this airs at 304-741-2804 is my phone number. Please call me. I would love to speak to you. As I said one time in a speech also, that there are West Virginians who want to hear why you even say giving anything to them will cause them to have an entitlement mentality. My congregation, my church, can hold easily seven, 750 people. We could act this place if he wants to come and talk to some of the other constituents that he is leaving out and not being concerned about. Uh, we could fill this place with people so that he could give uh, an explanation of his view and his stance. What about other uh, members of Congress? What about other Democrats in the Senate in particular? Um, you have... Uh 
Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. What could, and of course, President Joe Biden, what could those two leaders do who say they support the things um, that many progressives support? What could they do to pressure the likes of Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema? Do you think they've used their bully pulpit effectively enough? It's amazing how Republican presidents or Republican Senate Majority Leaders manage so successfully to get their party members in line to back the party agenda. And with Democrats, all it takes is one or two intransigent leaders who might be, you know, uh, getting money from corporations and, and they crumble. Well, I always I always say, you know, biblically, and I, I, as a pastor, I, I can only use that as my litmus test, my, my, my gauge. And it talks in the Bible about come let us reason together. Come to the table, let's talk about what the issues are, and then come up with a plausible solution. But to pontificate and stand to the side and get on, on, on media and say, you know, you don't like this or that, well, then propose something. But to just take a stance of saying something is dead, and there's so many vital things in Build Back Better, ending the filibuster, voting rights, it's so many vital things in that that is so necessary to take a position of not saying this is what I can support. And if we put this on the table, let's find some compromise. Let's find some middle ground and get things done. But falling into the trap of Washington, of just taking a stance and, and trying to uh, be hard lined or hard nosed on that stance, but not offering to your, your colleagues, this is what I need on the table. And then when they put it on the table, then you still back off and say, I'm not going to support it. I, I have a problem with that. I, I think. Uh, we send our elected leaders to Washington to represent all the people of that state. And right now, I just don't feel like he's representing all of the people of the state, nor is he actively saying, this is what I need to see to make sure that I can vote on this matter or come to the people and hold town halls here in West Virginia, in Charleston, and, and hear what the people have to say. Well, I want to thank you so much, Reverend Dunn, for joining us. What's the next steps? I know that um, there are organizations with faith-based leaders like yourself that are organizing around things like the Poor People's Campaign. There's a lot of events taking place. I know in the summer and June, are you going to be involved in any of those? Where can you, what do you suggest for that, that people pay attention to or look out for, especially during this very critical year with the midterm elections, where that tiny bit of support that Democrats um, have in the Senate that's, you know, the only hope for federal legislation for progressives, that could be wiped away in November. Right. The time is of the essence. And I, I encourage anyone listening, if you are in the state of West Virginia, call, call, bombard uh, our senators with uh, the opposing view, the opposing stance of what they're taking. Call, get involved, the Poor People's Campaign. We have just recently uh, put a letter together uh, to Senator Manchin and Schumer. And we, uh, from the last time I spoke with Bishop Barber, over a thousand ministers and people have signed on to this open letter. We're demanding a meeting. We just want to sit down and talk to them and make sure that they hear from spiritual leaders and impacted people in this state that will look him in the eye and say, this is what we need you to do. This is how your stance is hurting the people of West Virginia, and we need you to represent us. And so uh, I encourage people to continue to be involved, research, find out what's going on, find out where meetings are, There's, uh, find out how you can get involved. Uh, when we meet for the Poor People's Campaign in June, 
Uh, we're looking to take buses of people there so that America and our senators can hear what we need them to do. Um, we'll post a link to that work uh, and that announcement from the Poor People's Campaign uh, in June so that people can find out more. Uh, thank you so much, Reverend Dunn, for joining us. God bless you. My guest has been Reverend Paul Dunn from the First Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.